0: Apology, we recorded this outside, so I apologize for the wind and the planes and all of the noise. Well, this is Father David Nix, TCE Theology and Current Events. This is number 28. We're calling this one Patio Cast with two of my good friends. Right here we have John, who is a paramedic, and Mark, who is a civil attorney. And with everything going on in the world, uh, I want to give a little intro. And it's going to be a pretty extemporaneous one. I think just with a um, medical expert and a legal expert, with everything going on, in the catholic world uh, we have a lot to talk about but we didn't really plan a lot on what to say um, sean has uh, numerous years in emergency medical services and mark and i graduated high school together and he is a civil attorney now one of the things that we're going to start by talking about is a lot of these exemptions note the code that we're going to use in this podcast we're going to call it uh, Cooties cooties 19 and we're going to refer to the medicine as the cooties poke that Helps us to not trip up the algorithms on uh, YouTube, um, and you know it's 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 hard to say because the traditional world's a little bit divided right now. Half the world's kind of getting ready for the gulags, and the other half is getting ready to fight back at the legal level. Um, so we're not there at the gulag. So you know I think one of the best things that's been coming to people in prayer is Matthew six: Do not worry about tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself. Um, I do want to give a little bit of defense. Why do I always talk about this stuff? Is the, isn't this outside the purview of what a priest should really talk about? And I'm just going to give the 60 seconds a lot of you've heard before, but I, I still feel that people need the defense. You know, when you look in 1917, when Our Lady appeared in Fatima, when she says "If Russia is not consecrated, the errors of Russia will spread over the whole world. This is where we really have to say, as you've heard me say before, the errors of Russia is not bad vodka, concrete buildings, and olive hats. The errors of Russia is God directing man being replaced by man directing man. And I realize the word Hitler is way over you. Everyone, everyone calls someone they don't like Hitler. We saw last year, people said Trump was quote, literally Hitler. But I was pretty disturbed this week by Biden's speech where a third of our country is essentially scapegoated uh, by, um, how did Biden put it? His patience is wearing thin. I mean, that's dictatorial language. Um, However, thankfully, the devil may have overplayed his hand a little bit there. I got a uh, text from a female nurse I know in Arizona. She used to be my parishioner. She did get the religious exemption uh, recently. And I I think we're finding more and more people are. I had said on an earlier podcast, or rather a blog post, nobody's going to get these exemptions. But we are finding at the grassroots level there is some hope. I'm I'm not switching 180 degrees to say... I think everything's great, but Mark, you're our civil attorney. What are you finding at the grassroots level on this stuff?
1: So I'm finding a couple things. Uh, Number one, people are requesting exemptions. Uh, Many of them are getting exemptions. It's still a little early to tell. I think what's happening is the requests are being made, and the employers right now are going through the process of deciding how they're going to respond. One of the things about these exemptions, too, you have to remember, Father, is every case is going to be different. It depends on what your job is. It depends on uh, even, unfortunately, even the way you make the request. Because if they want to Mm -hmm. deny you, you have to be a little careful about how you make your request. And we can talk about that. But I think for the most part, employers are pretty open to this. I think they want to keep people. I don't think they want to have to fire people. And um, I'm, from what I'm seeing on the ground is that uh, exemptions are being granted. So what are the best legal options for employees who are opposed to getting jabbed? The best and first thing you need to do is you have to, uh, if it appears there's a policy, and the policy is going to be enforced and they intend to do it, you have to ask for a religious exemption under Title Seven human resource people they'll know what you're talking about and and that's the first thing you can do that's a religious exemption now if you the other option too is if you have a doctor or a physician who's on your side with this and let's say you've had COVID before and your doctor thinks that it's very bad idea for you medically to medically uh, to get the, the cooties poke you can have you can request a medical exemption under American with Disabilities Act. And uh, so those are actually two options. You have a medical exemption or a religious exemption. Uh, and those are, I would say, the first place to start.
0: That's great. And then as far as the religious exemption, do you have any preferences on the paperwork? I know the uh, National Catholic Bioethics Center, I wasn't too happy that it put everything in the subjective. I think it used the word conscience 14 times, but it's still what I have people send me. My printer's not working, so I've, I've had donors and people ask for stuff. I say you got to send it to me, fill it out, and I will still sign it.
1: Um, That's kind of my go-to. Do you have anything better? No, it's all subjective. (laughs) The whole (laughs) point of it is subjective. You're you're saying I have a more a religious, moral, or ethical obligation against taking this cooties poke. Mm -hmm. That is subjective, and and as a matter of fact, um, it it, it really needs to be subjective because um, they do not have to. If your objection to taking the cooties poke is political, if it's social if it's economic, if it's anything other than religious, moral, and ethical, you're giving them a reason to deny it. Because religious exemptions only count for religious, moral, or ethical uh, objections. And I understand why the National Catholic
0: Bioethics had to say all the subjective terms of conscience so many times, because the reaction that I'm seeing from a lot of these employers is, but your pope and your bishops are saying it's okay um, to take this shot. And so that's become very difficult for Catholics to navigate this. And I think that's, I mean, I don't mean to put words in NCBC's mouth. Uh, that's not them saying that. It's just that's my suspicion why they had to go in the direction of subjective arguments because I, I've never seen secular organizations uh, claim the CDF in the
1: history of the world. <laughs> but apparently, they're they're quoting the CDF right now. It's, a, it's amazing. Here's the thing I want to get across, you know. It, it doesn't matter. It, this may sound strange. So if you're a Roman Catholic and you're requesting an exemption as a Roman Catholic to take in the, the the cooties, uh, uh, Pope. Yeah. <laughs> it may sound strange, but it actually doesn't even matter the fact that your bishop may have come out and said it's perfectly moral for you to get it. Or even if someone po- points to the person of the Vatican who might have said it's perfect. Not only is it moral, but you should get it. How would you um, answer that? Then the answer is: is under the law, it doesn't matter. Okay, what matters is, and there's actually there's a couple Supreme Court cases on that. It doesn't matter if the religious organization you're a member of has a has a different point of view than you. What matters is you, your subjective religious, moral, or ethical belief, and it prevents you from receiving this cootie spoke. Question for you, Mark. So my
2: so my uh, mother-in-law just got her religious exemption approved. She works for a a large healthcare organization, and they told her though when she submitted where she was going to submit uh, her religious objection that she needed to demonstrate where in her faith or what part of her faith justified her objection. understanding that that's not legal to ask of an employee either. Is that correct? You know, it's it's,
1: it's okay. It, it, you have to have a sincerely held belief, okay? And uh, that is what the law says. You have to have a sincerely held belief. And an employer can ask you to support your request uh, to ensure that this is really a sincerely held belief. This is what, This is one of the benefits to these letters that good priests that are out there who are willing to sign their name to a religious exemption letter that's one of the benefits to having those letters because you can use those letters to show that you do have a sincerely held belief you know it says hey no i'm uh, i'm serious i am a practicing catholic i go to mass every week here's a letter from my peace, priest that su- supports what i'm saying that helps so there's nothing wrong with um necessarily with an employer asking for something to you know to show that you really do have a sincerely held belief, but it is there's no requirement for you to have to have one of those letters, oh, and you don't have to. Ju- and, and to answer your question, I'm sorry, you don't have to justify it. Mm. You don't. Sean, you saw the LAFD. Yeah. Right? The guy, yeah. What, do you,
0: what are you What are you finding it. in the uh, in the fire station as far as resistance to all of this? Um, are people lining up behind you in the resistance? What are you finding? Before we talk about your experience yeah. in the field post these poke patients. Let's just talk briefly about what you're finding as far as
2: uh, compliance at the level of first responders to you, take the poke or not. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the, the brilliant tactics of the folks that are implementing all of this is they uh, have spent the last year isolating people, right, through quarantine measures. And I think one of the probably intended effects of the, those quarantine measures was it's made it has made people feel isolated and alone. Um, so my encounter with many of the, uh, folks that are working for the firehouse, um, when they find out that I am another person who is, uh, let's say skeptical of the, uh, benefits of the cootie spoke, they are, uh, in many cases overjoyed that they found someone else that they can confide in and talk about it with because there's so much fear of retribution in the workplace, uh, just in society as a whole, with people coming after them because they know, or they at least they they believe they're in the minority of people who don't want to get the the cooties poked. So when I am able to engage people, and I'm pretty vocal and open about um, not only my faith in general, but my stance on uh, the insanity of everything that's going on right now. Um, I usually end up having some fantastic conversations with guys and they are excited that they found someone else. And when I tell them that they're a part of a a significantly larger group of people at work, they are in many cases just relieved that they're not alone.
0: And that says a lot for courage right there that, you know, someone just needs someone to hear. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who need to hear one other person speak up and then they're going to jump behind the leader on that stuff. And, you know, this is where I think maybe America might be the very first, I'm not, there. I'm sign anonymous yet, but maybe America will be the very first country in the history of the world to buck communism. I mean, in Cambodia and Cuba, they didn't have social media and they didn't have the Second Amendment. That might be kind of where we're going to be a little bit different. Um, Along the lines of courage, I don't know if you you guys saw this, but there was something on Instagram. Two nurses showed up, reporting in, I think it was Bowling Green, Kentucky, and they showed up after being fired for not taking the Coonies vote. And um, but this is what's interesting. Follow this for a second. They had never given them termination papers, and if I remember the video correctly, or at least the description, because it kind of petered out when I was watching it, they demanded termination papers, and they wouldn't give it, and I think the hospital knew that handing over termination papers was gonna be a legal liability. I didn't prep you for this off the show, Um, but that's a pretty bold move to say, we're still showing up to work, and since, um, yeah, we we know we're not on the schedule, but you never gave us termination papers, so we're here.
1: If you run into, I would not quit. I would never quit. Um, don't let people bully you into quitting. Make them fire you. And I've heard people say that, and I think that's making the rounds now on social media. And I, I agree with that. Make them fire you. Make them go through that. Do not quit. Um, it, it just it, it it puts the ball in, it puts the legal ball in the employer's court. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I do feel bad for the employers in a lot of way. I mean, that's one of the things that Biden did this last week. You know, he's yeah. he's 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 pushing off these uh, he, he's pushing off the enforcement of these uh, cootie pokes onto the employers. Does that violate the Constitution? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can't imagine that that is constitutional. Um, and my first thought on that is. um does the federal government even have authority to do that you know under interstate commerce clause and I don't mean to bore, bore you or your listeners with you know detailed constitutional arguments but essentially health issues like um, these types of medications have always been a state level issue right. Um, and right so and so to have a federal government come in and impose a, a, a massive massive mandate like that, without one vote from an elected official. Yeah. Um, that affects almost every employer across the country, at least with over 100 employees, I think, is what he said his rule is going to be. That's uh, uh, That's got to be unprecedented
0: And we for seen something maps. like
1: this. Most of you guys have seen the maps. It's like 30, 30 states are fighting back against that. Do you think they're going to stick with this, or is that just going to peter out? Oh, I think they're going to stick with I think they're going to fight back. Yeah. I mean, I... I can't imagine this isn't going to get up to uh, the Supreme Court very, very quickly. Yep. Now, the rule hasn't even been issued yet. So he's making OSHA issue the rule. So he's just telling us it's coming down the pike. And it's a little hard to talk about because you don't know what's actually in the rule yet. Right. Um, but I can't imagine this isn't going to get challenged. And so what does up. a Catholic do now if an employer
0: refuses to grant that religious exemption or the other exemption? What does he do if that's rejected?
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing you have to remember, too, about these... Title VII religious exemption issues, is that your your employer is required to make a reasonable accommodation, okay? So if you say, I'm not able to fulfill this policy, uh, I need to, what they're supposed to do is attempt to find a reasonable accommodation for you. And uh, now if it becomes an undue hardship for the employer, then they can say, I can't accommodate you, I'm sorry, I have to let you go. Um, but part of that finding that a really, uh, reasonable accommodation is, there has to be some dialogue with with your employer, and I think it's always a good idea to uh, suggest an accommodation that you would like the employer to give you. For example, if you work in an office job and you can do your job remotely, and a lot of people have, I have, even as a yeah. you know an accountant, a lawyer, whatever, and you can do your job remotely, propose that as your reasonable accommodation. That's right. And especially because you probably have already been doing it since March of 2020 last year. Yep. I think it's really hard for an employer to say that's not a reasonable accommodation when they've been allowing you to do it for the last year and a half. You know How, how do you say it's not reasonable? You're the one who told me to do it in the first place. <laughs> you know, and, oh, yeah. And
0: I kind of want to switch from legal to medical here. I was listening to a Michael, Michael Knowles podcast yesterday, and he pointed out there's certain libertarians that are saying, no, you can never mandate a vaccine. He said, "Well, historically in the United States, that's really not the best argument." He, he talked about smallpox and stuff. Mm-hmm. He said, "Really, the better argument is that this jab doesn't work." You know, and and I, I, I agree with him on that because, um, you know, smallpox did. Um, he gave a lot of examples how it's how it's pretty dangerous, um, and that's where it's probably not at least historically. I mean, you can make the argument, um, hands off me, and you can't you can't actually mandate anything, but he, you know, Michael Knowles' new book, uh, Speechless, is really about that you can't go in the full libertarian direction because our country is found out like First, Lim- First Amendment. There is limitations. There used to be laws against pornography and stuff like that, right? So to so to say we just going to go in the, in the direction of anarchy isn't exactly the foundation of this country. Um, to, to really say this cooties poke is probably not going to be good for your body is a, is a good argument. That's maybe where I kind of want to switch to um, emergency medical services. Just what you're finding, Sean, um, uh, and and your friends. You guys are very high call volume uh, 911 system. What are you guys finding uh, grassroots? Maybe maybe just talk about the last 24, 48 hours that you've seen out in the field.
2: Um, well, I mean, I can even go just this this whole year in comparison to last year, right? Where we had uh, the cooties without a cooties boat last year. Yeah. Um, versus this year we've had the cooties poke and I, I can tell you and um, so can uh, many others that I work with and not just folks that I work with, but folks on, you know, neighboring departments and EMS agencies. Um, Anecdotally the the hot buzzword of late. uh, We have seen more adverse reactions and events from the cooties poke than we have actual uh, cooties patients. Mm. I mean, the first we, cooties patient I transported to the hospital last year wasn't until June. Okay. Right? For some context. And I was on uh, the medic unit that's our busiest medic unit for our whole department. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say medic unit, I mean ambulance uh, for our whole department last year. And I, the, first cooties, the first cooties patient I saw was in June. Right? You can think about wow. that. Wow. That's right. several months in. That's more than several months in, right? It's, a, it's an impressive amount. And, and this year I've had uh, vastly more uh, patients that have been super sick, or in cardiac arrest um, from an apparent link with the cooties poke uh, versus just cooties. I mean, uh, and we talked
0: about some of the hip. We know the hip yeah above, so we're going to be careful of that. But can you can you say what you said off the air as far as like what you saw the past twenty four hours?
2: So um, well, just this week I was on an overtime shift and uh, it was a uh, got sent to a ninety one year old um, patient in cardiac arrest who eight days ago got their their third booster, their their third cooties poke, mm-hmm. um, and sudden cardiac arrest. I had another patient, 34-year-old, um, who, had, who had gotten her uh, two doses of the cooties poke cootie spoke, and was set to get her third um, yesterday, actually, and she was in an SVT, which is just a super fast heart rate. No history of it, no cardiac history, everything was going fine, and all of a sudden, she just went right into it. Mm. Um, and it was, she did okay. She was fine. But we're seeing, uh, that. You say we're some seeing guy strokes. Had a
0: stroke. And he actually asked you, is this due to the,
2: yeah, coke? we, uh, we got sent to a stroke. I walked in and the guy's, you know, sitting on the floor with massive right sided deficits and just weakness on the right side consistent with the stroke. And the first words I would have mouth were, do you think this is from the shot? I just got it, um, yesterday. Yeah. And even, even patients are recognizing uh, a link between the cootie stroke and these, um, events that are occurring which is super concerning and not only myself but a lot of other people who may not even be coming from a faith perspective and getting into the morality of these cooties, spoke yeah you know are just looking around with their own two eyes and seeing what's happening and saying this doesn't this doesn't Doesn't make sense this doesn't look healthy this is super concerning so mark Um, why aren't why aren't companies worried about
0: fallout in two years of massive law if they've if they're forcing something that barely just squeaked in under the FDA approval without much testing at all, why, why aren't these companies worried to, to put everybody's feet to the fire on all this?
1: Honestly, that's a very good question. I, I don't know. Um, you know, everybody talks about the, how the, the, uh, these pharmaceutical companies are immune from getting sued for uh, these types of pokes, right? And that is true. If you get sick and you have uh, right, and neurological damage down the line, you can't come back and directly sue those companies. Um, but if you if you uh, have to take it as a requirement of your employment, it's hard to imagine to me right now that that is not a concern for some of these large corporations. I mean, I don't represent large corporations anymore. Um, But I used to, Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine that they're not in the back rooms thinking to themselves, you know, this is going to put us on a a hook for a lot of potential problems, whether it's workers' comp, whether it's um, being sued directly by an employee, if that's possible, depending on where your state is. Whatever the case is, yeah, there's liability. The fearlessness is amazing to me. Uh, Yeah. The boldness. It's it's unbelievable. (laughs) And I wanted to say something also, too, because... um, for government employees like Sean here, um, if you work for the government, not only can you uh, have these—you have these—you're entitled to these religious exemptions if you know you meet the qualifications for it. Uh, but you also have constitutional rights in your job. If you work for a private employer, hmm. you work for a private employer, you don't have constitutional rights to your job. But if point? you work for you a government, it? you do. Would that include the military? Because you know, I'm on a I'm on a group chat with about 20 guys in the military, and they're they're all about to get fried for not taking it. I know um, that's a really good question, actually, and I think that to some degree that they that they do. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much there. But yeah. what I can say is, what I can say is 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 for people like even teachers, mm-hmm. um, paramedics, uh, police officers, uh, you do have constitutional rights uh, that do apply in your in your employment position. And that's another quiver, uh, another arrow in your in your quiver, yeah, if, if you need it down the line, hopefully, you never get to that point. If you get your religious exemption granted then it's then it's not an issue. Mark, you had read something in Politico, and this was uh, I think you want to talk about this the smallpox thing again, yeah, I want to circle back to that because you had mentioned earlier. Uh, that circle back like Psaki likes to do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a convenient phrase, I have to admit. I understand. Everyone's saying it now. I even know. people who make fun of her even say it. I know. It's a useful phrase, you know, but now it's totally overused, and now I feel like I can't use it anymore. So, um, yeah, I do want to get back to that, though, because you had mentioned something about the smallpox and how, you know, we don't live in a country where you can just do whatever you want. I mean, we, we yeah. do have... Uh, health and safety regulations that are valid and because real quick, I mean, there's a lot of people who
0: think, okay, these are just some libertarians who just who want to just go, from, uh, you know, a Waco compound to say you can't tell me what to do. It's probably not the best argument to say you can't tell me what to do.
1: Yeah, no, that's not it at all. And actually, um, what I think you were referring to earlier was a there's a Supreme Court case called Jacobson from 1905, and Politico had just put an article out a couple. Maybe three or four days ago about this, trying to say that, see, 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 the Supreme Court already says you can, you can, uh, 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 it's totally legal for governments to impose all these uh, uh, medicine pokes on people. Right. <laughs> and, and and so the Supreme Court, this is already seen by the Supreme Court, and these people have no ground to stand on. Well, one of the things you have to remember is, is number one, 1905, the Supreme Court. There's been a lot of cases that have come down since then. <laughs> First of all, a lot of them having to do with bodily integrity, maybe. Have we heard of perhaps some uh, my body, my choice type Supreme Court cases? But there's also more importantly Supreme Court cases that have come down that said you uh, have a constitutional right not to have medicine forced upon you. Mm. Okay. Now those those cases didn't exist in 1905. Gotcha. The other thing to keep in mind is that was that that case involved smallpox. Okay. By that time in 1905, they had been using that type of medicine uh, for over 100 years already. Mm. And smallpox had a much much higher um, death rate, fatality rate. Oh, very high. Yeah. Than the cooties. Right. Absolutely. So we're talking we're we're talking about totally really. Totally different scenarios. And so I, I it just was, it was I a, wanted to mention that. It was a because real pandemic. <laughs> well, yeah. And they also had a real shot. Okay. Yeah. They had a real one right. over 100 years yeah. worth.
0: Okay. I mean, I believe Cooties is real, despite the name that we're using. I'm not saying that's not... But I still, you know, believe a 99.92% survival rate does not meet the definition but, of a well.
1: This is a gene manipulation injection. This right. isn't even right. this isn't not even a, 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 a dead v, virus that they are injecting into you. I think, I think it says
2: something like that on the patent that they filed for, right? Gene therapy. Oh, well, it is. Yeah. Is it say? I think so. Yeah.
1: They, they they don't inject a dead virus into you. No. People think that's what's happening, but it's not. But it is it is increasing the viral load. And my understanding is
0: some people say the jabbed are actually giving cooties. Um, to
2: the unjab because they have a high ro- viral load in their noses. Um, is, this, is this crazy talk, Sean? No, I think there was a recent study that came out that looked at healthcare workers, and when they did uh, nasal testing, nasal swab testing of uh, the nares, they found, I think it was something like 251 times the viral load in asymptomatic healthcare workers with the Delta variant, um, which showed that they were actually, the, the, those that got the, the cooties poke, were uh, a greater threat to spreading uh, said cooties than those that didn't get it. And there was a, a another article that came out of Israel. And it was, Israel's fascinating, right, because they have such a high Uh, cootie-spoke rate in their country with their citizens, so there's a lot of good data and intel that's coming out of their country, and there was a... And has the highest rate of the disease. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and there was a study that came out that said, after adjusting for comorbidities, researchers found the cootie-spoke were 27 times more likely to suffer a symptomatic case of the uh, cooties in comparison to the risk of previously infected people had with uh, symptomatic reinfection. So you're looking at an increased risk of reinfection and symptomatic cases, i.e. you're gonna see people who had the cooties poke who get exposed to the variant that are more sick than someone with say natural immunity. And there was another article out of Bloomberg, uh, not necessarily known for its conservative stance on on life in general. And it said people given both doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech cooties poke were almost six-fold more likely and seven-fold more likely or excuse me, six-fold more likely to contract the Delta infection and seven-fold more likely to have a symptomatic disease than those who had recovered. Again, natural immunity provided better protection, not only on rate of spread, but on your symptoms and the severity of a secondary or breakthrough infection.
0: And so this isn't a slight difference from what Biden said. I mean, he's basically saying, yes, the shot works, but all the people who have the shot are in the hospital because those who didn't get the shot. it's like, well, first of all, which one is it? If if it works, then why are they in there because of those who didn't get the shot? But then you look at those stats and it's like, that's not just a slight difference from that. That's the exact opposite. I mean, it's almost like hearing Biden talk about abortion or a climate change or whatever. I mean, this is what's so amazing to me about the science. The religion of the left is truly science. And this is further proof that when you have a bad religion, it actually turns on you to become an even worse religion. I mean, I was staying up last night because I couldn't sleep just looking up at the stars, just thinking, how insane is it that the left actually believes this planet's about to burn up, um, climate change, the fact they believe that you can turn a man into a woman and vice versa. I mean, the one thing that they claim they have science, they have absolutely no evidence for at all as far as climate change, um, abortion, what they wanna do as far as transgender surgeries, and and then we're actually gonna believe them to actually tell part of the truth on the whole Cooties 19? You know, of course not. And this is this is why I keep coming back to this whole thing of, like, if they don't have the medicine and they don't have the science, it has to be religion. It has to be spiritual. And I know that's kind of what everyone expects a priest to say. But I first try to rule out the historical, the sociological, the anthropological, the medical. And when none of that shakes out, you have to say, this does seem to be angels versus demons at this point.
2: Yeah, and I, and you say, you know, the, the cootie spoke doesn't work. I— I think it perhaps it does work, just not in any way, shape, or form what they're telling you it's designed to work for, right? It's making people more sick. Uh, I don't think we have time to get into antibody-dependent enhancements. Well, in what, I right?
0: was going to just about to ask you, what do you, do
2: you believe that whole thing? Uh, as far as the ADE, ADE yeah, yeah, I think it's super concerning, right? And there's so my tactic, especially at work, is when I'm engaging an audience that uh, is has bought into the the narrative of culture right now that this is a, a major threat and the uh non-cootie poked are are the big threat now yeah um as you saw with biden's recent speech mm-hmm. Sca- I, literally scapegoating which is historically a very slippery slope right and <laughs> right. bad things follow That's the
0: left's term slippery slope but again they're,
2: they're doing it they're totally doing it yeah. and so i i will engage these folks at work with mainstream left-leaning um publications to to back up my point, uh, as something that they are more receptive to looking at from a literature standpoint. And there are several, there's one from Cambridge, there's one that came out on PubMed uh, recently, and there's several other uh, massive publications that talk about the risk of ADE, specifically in SARS-CoV-1, dengue virus, and RSV, as uh, when they did spike protein uh, cootie shots, they, some of the animals in the clinical trials developed ADE and the cooties poke shot did two things that these studies talk about it generated the variant Wow and then it made the, the animal that received the cooties poke shot um, more susceptible to either the variant or the original virus. And if they also developed ADE, they experienced 100% fatality rate.
0: And you're quoting liberal sources. This isn't yeah info. I have nothing against InfoWars anymore. It seems like he was right about a lot of things. But you're quoting liberal sources on this day, or at least secular sources.
2: Yeah, and I, I actually had a conversation with a gentleman at work the other day who received his two-dose uh, Cootie's poke and was hesitant about the third. And I said, well, good, don't take it. There's a really good chance it may kill you. And he was like, okay, (laughs) right? And I said, I know I'm going to sound a little bit like a conspiracy theorist the more I talk, but I'm going to send you all of this literature. And he was very gracious, and he listened to my case. And when I sent him the literature, he came back and even said, he goes, if anybody was listening to you talk, you sound like a crazy person. And then I read your sources, and he goes, these are well-respected, massive publications, Some of in some cases National Institute of Health run by Fauci, that are saying masks don't work, and, and you talk about ADE, and he's like, it's it's terrifying. And if most or all the animals died, it, it, you, you'd think that people who only care about their
0: earthly life, not their eternal life, you think, you think they might give a pause, because they consider us just advanced animals, or maybe less advanced animals than dolphins and stuff. You'd think that people who think about animals all day might say, maybe I don't want this if the animals died in these trials.
2: You know, and you talk about the, the spiritual side stuff, and... My wife had an interesting insight the other day. We were chatting about this and she said, you know, if God gives us faith and reason, right? It's both, right? Faith illumines our reason, right? right? Faith is greater than reason, but the two go hand in hand. Because the author of both is God, right? They two can't be contradictory yeah. to each other. And she goes, It's it's counterintuitive to think that Christ would give us medicine that would save us, that's derived from aborted babies.
0: I say that, and I I'm, I always preface that by saying, I know this sounds fundamentalist, but do you think God's going to help you by being shotful? And David Gray, who's been on my podcast, he had a great line the other day, Jesus never said, go and sin no more unless it's remote
2: cooperation. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and I always remember, and I, I love sharing this quote uh, at work when I'm trying to evangelize right. Peter, uh, it's from Peter Kress, Uh Professor of philosophy, I think at Boston. Boston, College. Boston, Boston College. College. Yeah. Yeah. I had him yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he, is one of my favorite quotes. And he says, the um, abortion is the antichrist demonic parody of the Eucharist. Right. That's why he uses the same language. This, this is my, is my body. body. Yeah. And I think you talk about a demonic spiritual aspect to all, everything that's going on. All of the cooties folks are in some way tainted by mm. abortion. That's right. Right. They come from
0: cell lines the, of aborted. They're not directly, but they're from cell lines
2: of aborted. They correct and in some yeah. and Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca, I believe, they actually have that's right. physical cells from their uh, aborted cell lines right in the in the cooties poke. So you're looking at satanic delivery system for salvation. From death, from a virus that carries a. I, yeah. The shots are evil, aren't they? The shots are evil. The shots are evil by their and, nature. And, by their and, nature, and yep. you, didn't
1: even the Vatican and the Pontifical Academy for Life, if you read their, if you read their letters, they tell you that that's the case. What they say is that it's morally licit because it's material, materially remote, right. and there's a grave reason for doing it. So it they're saying it's evil, but we're going to give you a loophole. Yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, that's a legit. I mean, that's a legit thing in moral theology. I think is to talk about remoteness and and. Um but as you mentioned before
0: we started the show, you also have to have grave reason and. Right. something that's making you sicker clearly
1: isn't grave reason, especially since our baseline is a 99.92% survival rate. Well, what ticks me off about all of this, especially when you go on and, and you, you read some of the stuff that these other uh, social media priests put on there who are telling these people and their parishioners that it's moral, you need to go do it, get this thing, that's that's not even an accurate reflection of what the documents they're relying on say. Because there's those documents said, look... We agree these shots are bad. They are abortion tainted, <laughs> and you know. But what we're saying is, it's morally, licit if there's a grave reason for doing so. And I, what I've always heard you, father, doing, and you're doing on these podcasts. And I know you get a lot of critics on this, but your the case you're making is is that there isn't a grave reason to taking this right. particular jab. That's right. We don't have grave reason, and then and then sometimes I
0: default to my fundamentalist. <clears throat> Is God really going to bless something made? Is he really going to bless your health made with that? But you know, there's no more gray area. You guys go to Latin mass now. And I think you guys texted me your old parish had a meme up quoting James Martin, right? What yeah. was that?
2: What did that quote say? It was talking about love and <laughs> love, yeah. all of that stuff. But it was, you know, it was charity. quoting charity James Martin. Yeah. Right. And it's, and actually, I do want to get to the
0: topic of charity. We were talking about this. Now, this is going to sound actually like I'm going super soft on this whole thing. But remember how I just mentioned? A, you know, we're on we're on a group text, the three of us. And sometimes Sean annoys me because he always quotes Saint Thomas Aquinas, saying that sin darkens the intellect. And sometimes I want to say, but these people's intellect isn't just darkened; it's like totally the opposite. It's Absent. It's absent. I mean, this this is one of those cases where it seems sin makes. The, the intellect absent. I mean, if people if people really think we're in more danger of um, the ice caps melting than abortion killing people, then their brains just aren't really working. Um, now, this is where it might sound like I'm going a little bit soft, but it kind of hit me last night. Love is going to be the only thing that that convinces these people at this point. Um, these arguments, I mean. I realize at this point I'm speaking into an echo chamber of traditional Catholics who listen to these podcasts because they want to feel they have one person in their back. Who's a priest. They're listening because this is already what their group of friends already believe. Very, very few people are having their minds changed on these podcasts, but, I want to read the Virgin of Revelation. Uh, we were talking off the air about um, Mary had appeared, and this is a, a papally approved apparition from the 20th century. Mary appeared to a man named Bruno, kind of a modern St. Paul conversion. He was he had a plan to kill, I think it was Pope Pius XII, and um, had a conversion at Tre Fontani. It's a place right outside of Rome. And this is one of the things Mary said, in my, and I want my listeners to listen I was reading this. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, and she thought this just sounded so soft at first when she first heard Father Wolf's um, speech on this, on, on Our Lady or Virgin of Revelation. But Mary said to Bruno, "It is love that wins everything." Mary said, "Do penance on every occasion that is presented to you. It is a request of love." Now, real quick, let me pause this and say to my listeners. I mean, when I when I heard that, I was like, "Oh no!" Like, okay, what's the penance? I I feel so tired. What what other things can I take on? Um, This is the penance Mary said that Jesus asks. Mary said to Bruno, the penance he asks you is to love your neighbor and to give a good example through your life. With my son and God the Father, do not hate anymore. Always forgive. Do not take vengeance. Jesus is a judge. And um, when we were talking off the air, Sean made the great point. He's like, that is what the martyrs do. The martyrs are, um, when, when truth doesn't work anymore, they pray as they die. And I'm not saying we just put our heads down quite yet and go off to the gulags, but um, I think I've just realized that if people can't see even the, we're not asking people to understand like advanced exegesis on the gospel of John. We're just asking people to look at basic biostatistics and they're still blinded. This is where I think our calling is just pure charity um, to make any difference in people's lives. I don't mean that we sideline giving a reason for our faith as, as Peter says. We have to have... Reasons. I've said before, apologetics won't win souls, but not knowing them will lose souls. So we, so we got to know this stuff, but do you guys have anything to add to that on the version of our, Let me read that opening line again. I mean, it sounds just so soft, but it's Our Lady, and this is a papally approved revelation. It is love that wins everything.
2: It is, right? God is love, right? And I think it's a, a term that's thrown around a lot to justify some sin. You know, well, God God's yeah. love. He just loves you the way love you love, are, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think it was G.K. Testerton said something along the lines, and I'm not going to nail the quote perfectly, but um, God said love your enemies um, and to love your neighbor because usually they're the same person, right? right. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of uh, chatter lately of it's the charitable thing to do out of love of neighbor to get the, the cooties pope. right? And I would say that the true charity is to to first share with people the risks of it. Yeah. Right, because you don't want them to suffer unnecessarily. You don't want them to participate in something that's gravely evil. That's true charity. And when that doesn't work, and you know people are at risk of losing their jobs, right, and in, in many cases facing a, a sort of white martyrdom, yeah, you love them anyway, yeah. right, and you still hold the line. You still stand up in defense of what's right, even though you may suffer martyrdom, uh, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because it's true charity yeah to, to endure that for others who can't, who are scared that they're gonna lose their job and are feeling pressure to do it. I think as Catholics we're duty bound to take that leadership role, step forward and say, if this is the you know the line of fire that's bearing down on us, I'm gonna step in front of this for you guys. Yeah. Um, and and take one for the team out of love.
0: Let's ask the but, lawyer, can you sue
1: can you can you love someone you're suing? <laughs> sure. <laughs> happens all the time. Um, you, you know, you said, well, you, you made an interesting point. It's like, well, all the, all the leftists and, you know, the Father Martins and all those people, you know, they're, they're, they're badgering, uh, badgering people like us over the head with this charitable thing and yeah. saying you're not being charitable, you're loving your neighbor, blah, blah, blah. But the key to that is, is that it has to be charity and truth, right? Yeah. And Pope Benedict, Benedict XVI actually he issued an encyclical on that topic, basically saying. Very Yes, that. exactly. He mm-hmm. say he said, you know, that charity has to be in truth, and you know, lying to people, misleading people, um, it, it, even though maybe done out of charity, if it's not done in truth, it's not. It can't be charity. God it, is love, but He's also truth, charity. right? Yeah.
0: So they're ne- and they're, so they're never gonna. There's actually never gonna be a rub if you're doing it
1: the right way. Right. And that's I think that's what people like us, and maybe your listeners, that you know, that that needs to be our response to that argument. It's like, yeah, charity, of course, but it has to be in truth. And that's what we're talking about. And I'm not saying also in, in all
0: this uh, this call to love to put your tail between your legs. I mean, um, it's been you know, Fulton Sheen used to point out like the communists would work at eighteen hours a day and you can barely get Catholics to mass on one hour a week, and this is where Fulton Sheen used to say we the Christians there's obviously great Christians in the East too, but you know, he would say, We as a Christians, we have the light, they, the communists, have the fire. By that he meant the passion and the strength and, and that's what's amazing is like the fervency that people are pushing the lies with on all these things that we're, we're all they're all almost all biological slash theological issues that we're talking about right now. And we're totally outdone in the zeal by the zeal of the left on all of this. And so look at that line again from Fulton Sheen. We have the light, they have the heat. Well, you guys are right. We have to add passion to it. I'm, you know, we have to add the fire of love to the truth. So I'm not just saying we just kind of go away quietly and meekly. I think you guys are right. Part of love is actually speaking the truth more boldly, not less boldly. But when that doesn't work, I guess you know we don't honk our horns, or whatever, on the streets. I
2: got to work on honking. That <laughs> no, and it it is. Uh, it's interesting, right? I I am excited by excited by everything that's going on right now because I think it's an awesome time for evangelization. Um, I can't tell you the number of people at work who I have helped get a religious exemption for. Not that we've been mandated yet, but it's most likely coming and I'm just trying to prepare people for it. And the majority of them have been non-Catholics, um, some who are atheist altogether, and I think it's a great time to, to provide a, a Catholic explanation on the horrors of abortion. Mm. And... Because they see a concern with the shot, and now it's going to to talk about wow. great evil abortion, and, and get that truth on board with them and, them, and perhaps someday become Catholic. But even even Protestants, mm-hmm. whose own pastors at their churches are running for this exception, right? and now's the time for courageous priests like yourself and others to step forward to fill the void, that nature of war is a vacuum. There's a vacuum of authentic Christian leadership right now, and... It's a great time because souls are hungry and anybody who says
0: traditionalists don't evangelize this is the glad trad archetype of an evangelization machine in the fire stations right here um well the i think maybe the lawnmower starting um is maybe our our uh, cue to kind of log off Uh, mark you got anything to say
1: before we log off um since we got some white noise in the background no i just want to say that i hope that you know people who are listening to this video you know that that it gives them some inspiration and not to give into this stuff yeah you know there's a lot of depression and a lot of people moping around and feeling bad for themselves it doesn't really have to be that way i don't think i don't think we're going to see people getting fired in mass droves i think employers are going to try to do the right thing a lot of them and uh, just stay with it Uh, stick to your guns don't be afraid to uh, speak the truth and Talk about your moral and ethical beliefs and get together
0: with other families. You know, this was, this was originally just two families eating dinner with a priest, and then last minute I texted them and said, hey, can I just bring my MacBook and my microphone right here? And last minute they agreed, but really this wasn't a podcast. So this was just a uh, get-together with uh, two families and a priest. So make sure that, um, you know, in these, in these dark times, you don't just have community on,
2: on uh, at Sunday Mass. Get together with uh, other people fighting the same fight. And rejoice. I know it's it, it can be hard to right now because they've done a really good job isolating everybody. Uh, but God put you here for a reason, right? He put you yeah. here in this place and in this time for a reason, um, and that reason is to be a saint. Amen. And the surest way to sainthood is through suffering, right? As uncomfortable as that is, rejoice. God called you to be a saint. He's calling you to suffer uh, and take joy in it.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody.